and this is the StandFlyComics.com podcast, episode number 33. Leo, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing all right. I had uh, seven kids in my house. Jesus. It was terrible. It was uh, I, how about taking one kid to a movie with that? <laughs> I don't recommend it to anybody. We took on uh, my sister's uh, three kids, and with my four on top of that, it was... Infinity Gauntlet Astronomical. Like, I, I wanted to have the gems and just wipe everybody out and start all over again. But <laughs> but it was impossible to do. But uh, aside from that, uh, guys, uh, we have some special guests on our show today. Uh, the gentleman behind uh, 28-Minute Epic, Rocco and John Carlo. How are you guys today? Hey, man. Thank you for having us on. Doing good, yeah. Thanks, man. Hey, not a problem, not a problem. We'll get into more about 28-Minute Epic a little later in the show, but real quick, tell us what it's all about. It's about two Jersey Boy best friends who get fired from their 9-to-5 porn shop jobs, and then they decide to become superheroes for hire when they accidentally save someone's life, but with help from a professional crime fighter, they find that being a hero isn't always super. I, I think this sounds like a... A lot better synapses than than half of the movies that are coming out this year. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, let's let's talk about it real quick. Uh, we'll we'll go into twenty eight minute epic in a few seconds. But uh, I went to the the comic store yesterday, and I picked up uh, Why the Last Man, uh, the first trade for a couple dollars. Good pick. Never read it. I, I've heard. I think you'll like it. If you if you've been digging DMZ, you'll probably like why. Uh, I'm all over DMZ. I haven't been able to read because of massive children, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna get back into it. I promise. And, and why the last man? I, I know it's from the guy that did uh, Saga. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be really excited to read that because I liked Saga and and I've heard nothing but good things about why the last man. Do what? Great story. I think it's actually big. Really? Right on. Well, if you guys think it's cool, then then it's got to be cool. So. <laughs> <laughs> I also picked up uh, Punisher number three. No, number four. I'm sorry. Uh, Magneto number two, uh, and Detective Comics number thirty, which we'll go into later today. Yeah. <laughs> but en- enough of that. You want to dive right into the news? Leo? Yeah, man, let's go for it. Okay, great. So, this is how lame of a podcast host I am. <laughs> I had the opportunity to to take my wife and my kids to go see Captain America 2, but because of a, a silly blunder on my part, I, I had to disappoint my children, Ooh. make them feel bad, and, and make them cry. So I wasn't gonna, I wasn't able to go, but but you got to go, and Rocco and John, you guys got to go see it too, didn't you? Rocco's not seen it. I have yet been able to see it, but Rocco's I thought it was a double header with the original. I saw it before, but yeah, I kind of helped the experience. But yeah, it was. I've read everything I can possibly read about it without catching spoilers or anything. It's just broken all previous April uh, opening records, and they, they, they say it's the best thing since the Avengers. It's, it's the most adult 
superhero movie since The Dark Knight and things like that. Rocco, what are your thoughts on it? I thought it was awesome. I was like, I, unlike you, like, I, I did read the spoilers, I would read the spoilers. It didn't, it didn't bother me at all. Like, I knew it was going to happen. I was like, it's so much, like, execution so much better than just the details. Mm-hmm. And, like, going into it, I was just like, I, I saw Thor in the Dark World, and I just thought it was nonstop comedy from wall to wall. And then I was like, wow, this is dark. This is like, this is what would happen if you had a super soldier, such a weird concept. Like, yeah, if you had a super soldier and he was in shadow organization, how would you deal with it, you know? I've, I've I've heard uh, my brother-in-law came in and, and told me a whole bunch of stuff about it, like the the two ending things uh, that were after the credits. Uh, one of them I already knew about. Uh, if nobody's seen it, I'm sure by the time the podcast comes out, you guys have all have already seen it, anyways. And I still wouldn't have seen it. But uh, <laughs> like uh, the the ending, the, the first end, or the shit. I don't even know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one of the endings is with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Is that right? Yeah, yeah the first that's, one. Yeah, that's the first ending. Which is, they do that with Marvel now. They'll put like the, the craziest one first, and then you wait five minutes, and you're like, oh, Thor's hammer or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of lame, the second one, usually. If they would have put that out of order, people would go nuts. If they did, like, the Bucky one, where you put that statue, like, oh, you used to be Bucky. Wait five minutes, I'm a silver. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> What what is the the big thing? True Marvel fans stay till the end. Yeah, yeah I mean you have to. Well, yeah, now and and I was surprised. I was really surprised, like when Man of Steel came out, that DC didn't even attempt to do anything like that. Me and several other people were like, "You got to stay till the end. There's going to be something at the end." And there wasn't anything. What was weird though is when I saw it earlier, like half the theater cleared out as soon as it was over. As soon as it was over, I didn't even care. They weren't true fans then. Yeah. Well, for Patty Pinnacle, you know, people at DC like, had to know that as a joke. Or, like, people are going to wait. Let's make the credits as long as we possibly can. People are going to wait for a black screen again. Make all those comic book nerds out to be jerks because they're telling people, don't get up yet. Just wait. Just, just wait. And people are going to be mad. Go to a random person and say, oh, no, Captain America Shield might be at the end if you stay around. Oh, you don't care? Okay, fine. Just what a look. You're watching one of those movies and you're a comic book fan. You're in there with a lot of people who are just moviegoers. You're like, hey, just wait around for this scene. And when they wait around for the scene, they're like, what the hell was that all about? I don't even understand that. Why are we looking for some love with all these viewers? What is that? <laughs> it's like, even mean. That could be like homework. Like, if, if someone, like, gave them an Avengers copy and they read it before they did it, and they're like, oh, wow, it's Quicksilver. I saw that. And they're saying, like it for just, like, that's the guy who runs fast and he has powers like that. Post credit sequence actually has a flawed idea a little bit for people who have no idea what's going on. They're like, oh, okay. That's a good point. Yeah, all, all the grandmas and their, their grandkids have no idea what's happening. That's well, why they don't part of the movie, though, because you put that part of the movie, we're just like, wait, what? The post credit's like optional. And then it's just like the thing you said about Quicksilver. You got people that that have that know nothing about anything except for it being in the cinematic universe or whatever, and not even that. And then when they see Quicksilver in the end credits, they're like, isn't that the kick-ass guy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the guy that's going to be in the new Godzilla movie. <laughs> you know what's weird? Uh, Elizabeth Olsen's actually also in the new Godzilla movie. I saw that on a poster. I was like, yeah. that's it is, or did someone go, like, they were lazy? Like, Arizona Johnson and her. Why not? Like, put it a poster. On, on a side note, did you guys see her in Old Boy? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, Smokes. 
I can't tell you that movie was good, but she was amazing. Well, <laughs> the American version is to be desired, with the exception of, of her. I'm going to add her into the old one, and then you have a perfect movie. Oh, I'm biting my knuckle now just thinking about that. No. Gosling's <laughs> like, can we just put that in one scene? I mean, they, they won't notice it. We'll put it in the book credit. Oh, yeah, there you go. Stay still, stay still the very end. So you're glad you waited five minutes now, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, so so the general consensus is is that the movie is awesome. The movie rocks. Uh, it's the best thing since the Avengers. Better than the Dark World. Better than Iron Man three, and uh, even the uh, the Easter eggs, which Marvel has since become famous for. You know, since since Iron Man came out at, at the end with Nick Fury saying that Tony Stark was part of a larger universe. Uh, in the movie, don't they mention Stephen Strange? Yeah, yeah they, but they just kind of throw it away. Or Stephen Strange, da, 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 da. And um, we're going to think about the, the movie is, uh, well, you know, I heard about how Red Skull was like, people were saying that Robert Redford was going to be it. Yeah. It's a real spoiler. Uh, Red Skull's not in the movie, but every time somebody would get injured, he would be like, oh, it's the Red Skull. Like, <laughs> Robert Redford had blood on his face. So like, oh, oh, my God. And then at the end, they have the Baron von Strucker. He's doing it. And I'm just like, doesn't anyone read on one? <laughs> For Baron Zemo, that's, he's like my quintessential Captain America villain. Not the Red Skull and, and other guys. I want to see Zemo. That's who I want. Yeah, that'd be cool. If they steer into a cube, you know, they're always like, we can always do that. Like, no matter when, it's like, we run all of them, get them out of the cube. <laughs> God. <laughs> What about MODOK? I mean, is there any talks of MODOK? Because AIM's been introduced since Iron Man 3, and I've heard, like, nothing about the leader of that evil villain organization. I don't know. Oh, sorry. AIM might be a bit much for the movies. I don't know, though. <laughs> a big, I giant think, head floating around? I thought it would be cool if they're, like, if they're just adapting it, if they did something with killing or if they're going to die so MODOK. Oh, man. So people aren't pissed at, like, you know, in that movie, it's just like a random guy. It's like, oh, no, wait, we're setting this up. It's like, oh, cool. Speaking of setting up, though, uh, if, if you guys, if anybody's gotten the Blu-ray of uh, Thor The Dark World, the, the Marvel one-shot that's on there, Hail to the King, uh, one of the guys that that was in that, I think his name's, uh, they labeled him as white supremacist Dan or something like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he's one of the prisoners sitting there in, in the cafeteria room when uh, Ben Kingsley's Mandarin or his, his actor persona is uh, trying to look tough and stuff like that. And he has been signed on for the new Ant-Man movie as a villain. And, mm. and the big consensus is, is that he's going to be whirlwind. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, so, so everything ties in together like, like the big hashtag for for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, is it's all connected, so. One thing that Marvel's doing beautifully, the way they're connecting everything, it might be like the tiniest details, and I think when it comes to, to making these films, even though you can have this kind of like, um, way to manipulate the, the source material, mm -hmm. as long as the details are, are spot on, everything works, and they're so good about details and making sure that the smallest little thing connects, not even with the Comic book viewers, but with average, average movie, uh, movie viewers. Marvel has really got it down pat. I mean, as, as huge of a company as they are and as much stuff as they have to deal with, 
their cinematic universe is very streamlined. Like, everything from Iron Man to now to Captain America 2 has been solid. I mean, none of it has failed. And people have expected it to fall through the toilet, and it hasn't. But it all fits together. And and it's like with DC, with Warner Brothers, they can't even get their feet off the ground. And they've got some of the most popular characters in existence. Well, Marvel gets gets better with each movie, and um, yeah. DC, I mean, being, you know, with Warner Brothers and stuff, it's like they don't, they don't know how to modernize, I mean, from my opinion, they don't know how to modernize the characters in a way where they don't seem hokey. So when you bring these, you know, larger than characters like Superman to the screen, and you try to make them darker, relatable like Batman, like in terms of what Christopher Nolan is, you're going to fail in a lot of these spots because... I mean, someone like Superman is an alien, so to make him relatable, you you got to dehumanize him somehow, and it's really hard, I think, for these companies. Yeah. They don't have the proper guy sitting there, like um, Avi Arad, like saying, hey, this is the way the stories will work better, this is how we can connect with our audiences. They have big guys there saying, well, we need to have the summer blockbuster this year. And we need to have a tentpole franchise. Exactly. Well, I think one of the problems is, uh, I heard the, I'm not sure how to say, Spidey or Kevin C. Kevin C. They don't make superhero super <laughs> movies, they make genre movies. So you could have a technicolor, you could have like a fantasy film. The DC, it's the same movies. The dark fruiting hero has to face his past or flashbacks. That is Green Lantern. He doesn't want to work. Oh my god, don't even get me started on that. That's, that's horrid. We have to be going like we have 200 minutes of Ryan Reynolds and Green Lantern. We can put that in, but we'll paint everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, we can have a meet, you know, that half like the corner. You know, like, it, it was a cool Hot Wheels tie in, though. My son has the car on his wall. <laughs> but that's all that matters. That's right, that's right. Product placement. <laughs> it's the only way just to bring Mark Strong back. Uh, that would that would be cool. They're like, okay, we're fantastic. We'll bring you back to your office. Now, see, we're going way off topic here, but I don't care. Um, the the Green Lantern movie that that had it in some parts, like like the living costume. I didn't care for that. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, but uh, Sinestro was awesome. Kilowog was awesome. Oa, the planet was awesome. The Guardians were cool. Everything about it was cool except for the story yes. and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I thought the living costume could have been okay, but it, it was a mask that killed me. Because it made it look like a cartoon character. Yeah. Like, Watch this random roommate that means nothing to the film. Check I, out my costume. I hate that guy. I hate him so much. <laughs> I, I wish he was the villain just to punch him. Oh, I'll God. For that. But that's actually the most honest and best review you could give of that film. Everything was cool except Ryan Reynolds and the story. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's so honest. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what that film is like. And Blake Lively. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I, she looked like she couldn't care less. She's like, oh, you're Green Lantern now. That's cool. You, you really think you can hide your cheekbones with a mask? Yeah. Uh, Just uh, take your pants off, Ryan, and we'll call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> Better movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> so when a DC is like, oh, we're going to Mandarin this bit. Oh, because. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. So, yeah. Captain America 2 is awesome. If you haven't seen it, like me, uh, then go out and see it now. 
spend the money, the $8, the $10 to go see it. Spend the 15 to go see it in 3D. Even if you are uh, prone to epileptic fits, I'm going to see it. Don't pirate it, though. Pay for it. <laughs> no pirating. Pay yeah, no, no pirating, yeah. Because it's, it's like I do and go to the first showing every day when it's like five bucks in my movie theater. That would be cool if they had like an anti-piracy thing with Captain America. Like you are I know, I'll punch you in the face with my shield. Exactly. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, second piece of news we have, uh, it's, it's more speculation than anything else, but Leo, do you want to take this one? Yeah, uh, you sent me this link, and it looks like there's a Goonies sequel in production, according to the director of the first one. And there may also be a Gremlins remake. Okay, so so Leo, give me your thoughts first, because I've, I've got my own. You know, I, the, the Gremlins, I like that, and again, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I was little when that happened. Uh, but I like Gremlins. I honestly have never seen Goonies, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like skin in your knee. The the director was saying he wanted the original cast. I don't know what kind of sequel it would be. Like Chunky's like really sick now? To find their social security before it's too late. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, just like the agent getting waiting for up, he's like, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to drop the accent. I was extremely racist back then. <laughs> <laughs> if they, I looked back in the mirror, I was like, i got to stop this now. If they do anything with the original cast, I think the original the original cast should be supporting characters only. I, I think it should be about their kids maybe getting together or some of their kids getting together and doing uh, the same thing that their parents had done before. Because with Goonies, Goonies is a timeless movie. I mean, I, I can sit down with my kids and watch that. My kids experience it nearly the same way that I did when, when I watched that movie. I loved that movie. My brothers and my friends in this little uh, low-income housing uh, complex that we lived in, we would go outside and play in these in concrete tunnels and stuff like that and pick our favorite Goonies and be them. That that was like the coolest thing to do. <laughs> you know, the floor would be like, hey, you guys, I'm back. Oh, it better <laughs> not be. <laughs> Baby, what? They had that before they had the sequel idea. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if they were like, we should just make another one? Whatever marketing guy decides that, if, if that actually goes through, needs to be slapped repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> that that cannot be the slogan. No. Hey, you guys, we're back. <laughs> no, that's that we're I, I will not spend my hard-earned money to see that movie. Yes, you will. Yeah. Stop lying. <laughs> Probably. Just like with Ninja Turtles, but, you know. Even the terrible movies, you have to watch to see it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> if they're a big enough budget, you're like, oh, that sucks, but, you know, I want to think about it, so that's... Yeah. <laughs> that's what being a nerd's all about. There you go. They can't be coming and going. I'm excited for it. I think I, I, I never have a problem with sequels or just, like, remakes of films. Like, just, just somebody's interpretation of it. I feel like uh, when you look at music and you have somebody do a remix, it's the same thing with film. Except with film, you're messing with so much more material that the rebate can be real. 
crap. <laughs> what is it, the uh, only hipsters hate remakes? <laughs> yeah, so I'm really thinking about that. I'm, I always, uh, like, people always, like, yell at me for, like, in, like, Rocky movies and, uh, you know, always being for somebody else. We've, like, even Old Boy, I fought with people about Old Boy, old boy being remade. And I was really, really unhappy with the, with the remake. But I was still hopeful that it would be something that I could, you know, own and respect and watch again. And I'll probably never watch it again. I was lucky enough to see uh, the original Old Boy on Netflix. If nobody's ever seen it before, I highly recommend watching it. If only for the live eating of the octopus scene. <laughs> if only for that. And the thing that shocked me the most is, is I read up on, on the actor. I don't even know his name, but he's a vegetarian. Yeah. And, like, he's a lover of animal life and all that stuff. And he was so engrossed in the role that he's like, <laughs> Expletive deleted. I'm I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna eat this octopus because that's what this character would do. God, that's hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can just feel like in a director's room it's like you're eating an octopus, but I'm a vegetarian. Like I've heard it came up oh also I don't want to eat a live octopus, but mainly the meat part. <laughs> <laughs> so what's on the card for today, gentlemen? Well it's the octopus thing. Oh great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, like if they're going to do Goonies 2, it, it needs to be done right. Otherwise, they shouldn't even waste their time with it. If it's going to be done just to be done, don't do it. Don't don't foil the original's impact, you know? That, that, that's the big thing right now, catching it on nostalgia. <sighs> if you want to be nostalgic, put it in on your Blu-ray player and watch it there. <laughs> you know? Have a kid so you can watch it with them. That costs more money than eight dollars. Well, yeah, but well, in some, of these, <laughs> some of these stories, I mean, I look at like like my my little brother only knows about certain things because I tell them, and then like I'll talk to his friends and ask them like, "Have you ever seen this or have you ever seen that?" And one of the first questions they ask me is like, "Is it in black and white?" And I'm like, "Literally, question." <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, first of all, I'm not that old. What does that even mean? Second of all, it's not made, you know, past 90 doesn't mean it's not good. And you're like, eh, but it looks this, it looks that. So I think some of these stories, it's important to retell them and have a new interpretation so these guys see and eventually yeah. when they're older, they can appreciate those older films. That's like with my uh, my 15-year-old daughter. We were sitting at the dinner table one day, and she looked right at me without missing a beat, and she said, Mom, Dad, how did you survive without cell phones? We did <laughs> We enjoyed the sun a lot more. We wrote letters to people. We did not get on the computer. And it's like when I have her watch these older movies, like I'll have her watch like Maximum Overdrive or uh, uh, Arena, like a, an awesome independent film if nobody's ever seen it, that, where they use like animatronics and puppets and stuff like that. And she'll sit there and she'll watch it. She'll pay attention to it and she'll look at me. And I'll be like, so what did you think about it? Did you like it? She's like, it just didn't look real. <laughs> what? Ah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I like the movie, but where were the Transformers? They were no <laughs> I didn't see one explosion from start to finish. No Liz Flair. <laughs> yeah, right. Someone started a flashlight on cardboard. Uh -huh. Oh, my God. Storyboard. Lens Flair. <laughs> no. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, watching movies with her is 
this stuff. My my son, my 10-year-old son, he's all about it. He's like, yeah, I loved it. That was awesome. The truck blew that guy apart and his blood flew everywhere. Yay, let's watch it again. <laughs> okay, uh, Rocco and John are going to back out for a minute while we talk the poll list. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't have enough time to check out the books. But uh, John was saying before we started recording that he did get a chance to read Default Trigger, and we'll talk about what he thought about that here in a minute. But uh, the two comics that we're going to talk about today are Detective Comics number 30 from DC Comics and the indie title of the week, which is Default Trigger. Who's that by, Leo? Uh, Christopher Kosek. I'm assuming I'm saying the same right. Right on. I think so. Um, I'm going to butcher the... uh, the creative team for Detective. Oh, I, I know those. <laughs> well, why don't you tell everybody who, what they, it's, it's Brian uh, Bucciolato? Yeah, uh, Bucciolato, Bucciolato, and, and then Francis there's Francis Manipul. Yeah. Easy, easy. I, I did good. I'm, I'm proud so proud of you. But, but they are the creative team behind The Flash. Yes. For New 52, and and their run on the Flash was really good. Like it, it brought the character into a whole new light for for fans and and people that uh, that have enjoyed the character in the past. But uh, Detective Comics number 30. This starts their run on Detective Comics, and what it's about is there's this uh, this new drug that's on the streets. It's called Icarus if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. And as per usual, uh, Batman kind of gets involved in, in all of that. Like, the, the the comic book starts out, you have this, this group of street thugs uh, that that have kidnapped these small Chinese children. And, and while they're holding them and feeding them scraps and stuff like that, they're talking about this new drug, this new Icarus drug. And there's not much more beyond that, except for, like, internal struggle, between the, the street thugs and, like, who's who's tougher and who's stronger and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And then as one of them starts doping out and the other two are sitting there talking about uh, who's better, or, or, or yeah, I, I think that'd be the best thing. Batman crashes through the window, beats the crap out of him. One of the guys gets tossed out the window by Batman, who gets saved by this biker gang, um, and uh, then he gets taken away because he is the brother of a higher-up in that gang. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the book kind of backs away to what I think they don't do enough is uh, show more Bruce Wayne. And and it's a really good segment with Bruce Wayne because uh, he's talking to this this, this uh, entrepreneur uh, woman and her daughter who is a motorcycle daredevil. And uh, while they're at her event watching, watching her daughter do all kinds of things, they're talking about uh, rebuilding uh, – the east side of Gotham City, which is the the side that's pretty much been forgotten by the police and and by the town itself, it's where all the the miscreants and and the thugs and and the people that just can't get anywhere in Gotham City, they kind of end up there, you know, and they're kind of trapped. And and she's talking about and persuading Bruce Wayne to to re to, to breathe new life into that section of the city. Uh, and as the course of the book goes on, he agrees, and as Batman's kind of, well, as Bruce is reflecting on the loss of Damien, uh, events take place at the end of that book that, that I personally believe are going to lead in 
to a greater ethic, which may be an origin for a new Robin. But uh, personal thoughts on the book, I love the cinematic style that uh, Francis Manifold is pulling off on there. And with both Brian and Francis doing the storytelling, they're, they're, how fast-paced it is and how cinematic how cinematography, how the cinematography looks, just it, it, it's mind-boggling. It's a great start for the new creative team. I I, I love the feel of it. I love uh, the soft colors. It's not so harsh on the eyes to read and everything. And how they can fit in a solid story in in 22 pages. Uh, I mean, they they really do it. They use every inch, every centimeter of of that page to to fill you in visually and through the story. It's it's good. I, I mean, I loved it. I, overall, I I give the the writing by both Brian and Francis. I give that a solid eight, and the artwork really had me more than anything else. And I give that a nine. So so it gets a great eight and a half out of me. Leo, what did you think? Uh. I've been a little bit since I've read Batman, but this, I mean, this wasn't bad. I mean, I've, I've kept abreast of all the stuff going on, you know, with Damien and all that. And uh, probably the best moment for what, when he's talking to, to Miss Aguila about her daughter, and, he, and you know, she says something about, oh, your son, you'll know when he gets older or whatever. Oh, and that. And there's just that panel. Yeah, <laughs> that that was probably the the most you know human, the best moment of the book in my opinion. It was dead silent. You could see just how set his jaw was, and he's like, yeah. "Oh." And I don't know. I thought it might have been a little bit clever, but uh, how she's uh, Elena the Eagle Aguila or whatever, mm-hmm. or a- Annie the Eagle Aguila. And I'm pretty sure Aguila is eagle in Spanish. Fairly sure. Mm-hmm. So that was that's a little clever, I think. Or maybe not clever. I don't know. Maybe but, it'll be a Robin sidekick. Maybe it'll be an. She'll be called. Yeah. Eagle. That'd be maybe, cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Some 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 parts felt kind of flat, but I think overall it wasn't a terribly bad written issue. There was some good emotional, you know, storytelling. Really felt flat at. I I don't know. The first few pages was like I don't know. They didn't seem very. That was typical Batman right there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The first few pages didn't seem very. I don't know. You didn't grab me. Right on. Fair enough. And what would you give the... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, I I do, however, like the art and the very sort of... You know, the first few pages, there's a lot of purples and pinks Mm. in the coloring, and it helps set the mood pretty well. And then later on... Let's see. Then later on, it gets a little brighter, you know, the Bruce Wayne persona. Yeah. Which... It was a nice shift in the coloring just sort of let you know the tone yeah. stuff. Yeah, they they did a really good job with that. So overall, what would you give the writing for this? Uh, writing, I'll give a six and a half. Six and a half. Ouch. It, I don't know. It felt kind of flat, but there were some good, you know, redeeming moments. Okay. And the artwork? I give artwork an eight. So it gets a 7 out of you. Uh, 7.25, I think. <laughs> yeah. And it gets an 8.5 out of me. Hmm. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Let's take it to default trigger. Take it away. 
by default trigger by Christopher Kosek, which he released for free on his website. Which is, uh, if you want to give him some money for it, you can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. But yeah, his yeah, website's what this is about. Uh, his website's click on the comics tab, and we'll take you to it. And we'll put a link for it uh, in in the liner notes for the show. So yeah, it's uh, default trigger. The, the, the default trigger refers to is by defaulting on your student loans, and so the entire concept is that uh these, you know, twenty somethings presumably they're they're all defaulting on their loans because they can't find a job and the con is terrible. Degrees and yeah. all that. And, you know, they, they can't pay back the seventy thousand dollars of student loans they have because they can't find a job in this terrible economy. Mm-hmm. And so they they so these people approach them with an offer. For two weeks of their time, which they will never remember, their their entire debt will be cleared. Yeah, and the, and they'll be placed in a well-paying position afterwards. Yeah. And so they, you know, they make that decision whether or not to do it. And the the whole motive behind, you know, the the willingness of these people to pay off their debts is pretty interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, one of the guys, uh, well, the main character, he, he went to school to get his master's, uh, I, I think it's biology, or something like that. And mm-hmm. then you had another guy that uh, was riding a football scholarship, and, and he blew his knee out, and he had to pay his own way uh, the, the rest of the time he was in school. And then there was another girl, or, or a girl that uh, was going to school to be a teacher, and uh, she was unable to get a job and things like that. But uh, what did you think about the book? I, I liked it a good bit. Uh, I, I liked the weird sort of sci-fi stories, and this was what that was. And I think the art kind of speaks a little bit of early Jeff Lemire stuff, which I'm a huge Jeff Lemire fan. It reminds me a little bit of his early stuff, like uh, Lost Dogs. Just I don't think I've ever read that. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people have. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the first thing he ever did. Oh, wow. Like 10 years ago or something. But, yeah, anyway... Uh, I, I like the art. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of sketchy. It's not really the prettiest looking art, mm-hmm. but it sort of fits for this weird, this weird, sketchy, mysterious story. And, uh, the simple coloring, the black and white and blue, that, you know, simple, that. yeah. It helps set the tone, the shadows look kind of cool, just in the blues and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough of that being done in comics. No, I agree with you 100% there. I, uh, the white suits did that with black, white, and red. Yeah. And they pulled it off really well. And with default trigger, they, they do that expertly with the black, white, and blue. And uh, I, I like the story, though. It's cool. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a young, I'm in my 20s. I'm, you know, I'm in college. I'm, Are you defaulting on student loans? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I work, this offer will not be sent to you. No, no, I, I work full time. But uh, <laughs> it's it's just a really interesting premise, and it's one that's yeah that that idea, that struggle, that that anxiety, mm-hmm. I'm sure affects a lot of people in my generation. So, what would you give the writing for this? 
it's it's not perfect, but there's it's cool, you know. It's cool. It's, I, I like that. It's not it's not a single issue. It's fifty five pages of a nice chunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give it an eight for the writing and eight for the art too. So a solid eight. Yes. Nice. Okay. Now, when when I sent you the text this, this afternoon uh, after I had read Default Trigger, I was trying to be uh, mysterious. But I don't think it worked out too well because because usually, like when when you when you make your pick for the week, uh, I'm always apprehensive because yeah. I don't know if I'm going to like it or not because you know like with the Marvel and DC stuff that's that's the stability you know yeah I've I've read that stuff I know that stuff and and I love reading the indie stuff because some like I said in the beginning of the show some of the best stuff that I'm reading. Uh, is stuff that you recommended to me, but uh, there's always those those one or two liberators that that fall in there, and and this one I I thought was going to be something like that, like something that I was going to be like, oh Leo, come <laughs> on. But I read it, and and I I told my wife I, with with all them kids here running around, I was like, I'm going in the garage. I'm taking the computer. I'm shutting the door. I'm locking it, and I'm going to read these comics. Go in the garage. This is my man time. That's that's right. Leave me alone. <laughs> but instantly, with with the main character of the book, you know, I I could relate to him uh, because. Well, well, not in the sense of what he's going through, but mm-hmm. in the sense of what those people have put him through. Because my wife does collections for defaulted student loans, so I hear horror stories from her all the time about people that she's talked to over the phone. And I even did it for a short time. I hated it, but but I did it. But... Uh, the aspect of that is is very relatable to me. But uh, when the call came in, like he was expecting it to be another collector, and and the way that uh, that Christopher uh, set everything up visually looked really awesome. Because like on on one side you have all the words, you have the dialogue, and then on the other side of that page you have like the the main character sitting there talking into the phone or looking at the phone or something like that. And it really fit in with uh, with the, the whole flow of the story. Um, I got really anxious to see where this book was going to go. Like, like I was hooked right there. Uh, that, that's what got me. Um, but uh, as he goes through, uh, Christopher does an excellent job of displaying emotion with simplistic images and the engaging dialogue. You know, and, and the, the artwork, I've said it before in other people's work, but this here, it, it's more clearly so, is that it reminds me so much of an avant-garde Picasso style. <laughs> like, it, it really had that. He, you had the, the abstract faces with the, the side eyes and big noses, long fingers, and, gangly type people it it looked really good i was really impressed with that the, the it's, it's simplistic in nature but very complex and and i really dug it um the story was very well written full of twists full of turns uh 
I just I just loved every bit about it. But but the things that I think I enjoyed the most was the fact that uh, you only got snippets of the two weeks that he lost. Like you you never got to see what he went through, you know. And mm-hmm. you just kind of have to follow along with what these shadowy background characters are telling you, and then what he is telling. The, the the podcast guy and and I, I love what the one of the the evil people said. He's like, all fifty two of his listeners are going to enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he'll start a blog. Maybe he'll write a book. Blah blah blah. It was it was great. I I loved it. The the writing, believe it or not, gets a solid ten for me, and the artwork gets a solid ten. Ten. What? No, I never yep. thought I would pick something. What? <laughs> that's, uh, I, that's other than Dave, I guess. <laughs> well, Dave, Dave was awesome. Dave, I, I'm anxiously awaiting issue four of Dave. Yes. But default trigger, I want him to write something else. I want him to write more to this story. I want to know what happened. Chris, he, he does a really good job of leading your eye with his dialogue and his narration boxes and just how he sets up the page, which I think a lot of that is probably due in part to that he's a book designer and stuff by trade. Mm-hmm. So well, he, he, he has, yeah, he has a really good eye for design. I think that shows how he leads you across the page. Man, it was so good. So good. I, I loved it. I read it, and I was like, huh. Leo's going to love this. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's why I, I, I rarely pick things I don't like. Yeah. But uh, this, I think, is the best The best you've chosen so far. This, I, this I, I think, is better it. than Dave. Wow. Those are... Yeah. And wow. I love Dave. <laughs> wow. But uh, what, uh, aside from Default Trigger, which is awesome, uh, what other stuff are you reading this week? Uh, I read the, there's another guy who's posting comics online, Jesse Young. Yeah, his mm-hmm. side is right, Jesse writes, like he's writing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he posts short comics, and he posted one, I think, last week, the week before last, called Forbidden Love, which is pretty cool. It's a five-pager, real short, but it's, right. it's a good story. Uh, Manifest Destiny number six is coming out from Image on Wednesday, which I'm all about from Manifest Destiny. I've never read it. I've I've heard great things about it, but I've never read it. It's it's uh, the whole premise is you know Lewis and Clark they make their expedition to you know the the uh, west coast to find the water route and blah blah mm-hmm. you know explore Louisiana Purchase and all that good stuff. And this is supposing that maybe, you know, they had another mission, and that mission was to just, uh, was to find, find out if there were any monsters in the, in the new lands and eliminate them so it was safe for people to settle out there. Huh. And they've already, uh, encountered, they call them buffalo cars. They're like a, cin- a centaur, but instead of a man's body on top, it's a giant buffalo. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool. That sounds manifest. Yeah. <laughs> Manifest Destiny. <laughs> that was horrible. Yes, it was. What else are you reading? Uh, Invincible number 110 is coming out. I love Invincible. The Zero Trade just came out. I'm digging that. The Buzzkill Trade just came out. Uh, so I got that. Even though I already bought the thing with you. So I got to get the trade too. Well, because why not? I think that, I don't know. I guess I'm about covers it. 
Did you watch the last episode for Walking Dead for the season? I did not. I, I have to watch uh, the whole season. <laughs> oh, my God. We can't talk about it until okay. September when the season comes out on Netflix. What about S.H.I.E.L.D.? Are you going to watch S.H.I.E.L.D. now that you've seen Captain America 2? Man, I haven't seen a single episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, I'll have to watch all that, too. <laughs> Maybe somebody I know has a DVR or something. Oh, jeez. I just don't watch TV, man. I don't blame you. It's all, it's all negative Nancy stuff, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, titles I'm reading, I, I just picked up, like I said earlier, uh, picked up Punisher number four, Magneto number two. I'm really uh, leery about Magneto number two. The first issue did not grab me at all. And issue number two, I'm hoping, extends the story better than what the first issue did. You haven't read it yet? No, I'm going to read it tonight. Mm. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Punisher, I'm excited about. I'm saving that for last. Um, I got New Warriors number three, and, and I, I did not dig the first issue, so I don't think I'll dig this one, and I think I might drop it after this. If if three doesn't hook me, then I'm going to drop New Warriors. Gotcha. Yeah, understandable. Um, yeah. Uh, Detective Comics, I, I love Detective Comics. I'm going to start picking that back up again. I want to I want to read their run. And see how it goes. Um, what else? Uh, I am. Uh, what issue am I on for DMZ? Uh, crud! I think I'm through the first big story arc after ZNYC. Like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I'm past that. Like, uh, he did. Uh, what did he do? He did all the stuff with uh, the the free militia in Jersey. And uh, yeah. found out that uh, the one guy, the one reporter that was supposed to be there was alive and well, but he was captured mm -hmm. by the Free Militia, and the, and the Free Militia used him to to try and negotiate specific things that they wanted, and every bit of it backfired. Yeah. It was so good, though. So good. I am so hooked on DMZ. Um, but uh, I, like I said, uh, again, in the beginning of the show, I picked up the first trade for why the last man and uh, uh, John and Rocco say it's really good and, and you say it's awesome and I've heard nothing but good things about it so I, I can't wait to to start reading that but I want to finish DMZ first. You you should you should. Yeah. <laughs> I love DMZ. I, I like why. I think I like DMZ better. Well, let's go right into it, guys. Let's let's just talk right about the weekly distraction this week. Our weekly distractions uh, are Indie Spotlight, and as we said before in the beginning of the show, it's 28-Minute Epic, Rocco Petrullo and Giancarlo Fernandez. Guys, why don't you go ahead and give us a synopsis of how you met and how the thoughts of 28-Minute Epic came to be. We met in college at the 2000, end of 2005, beginning 2006, and Rocco had written a uh, short film called Eight Minute Epic, and he, um, he had asked me and another, um, you know, another college friend that we had at the time mm -hmm. to act in it, and we read it, and we weren't really friends, but, you know, we were all new to school, and we're like, all right, this guy wants us to be in his movies, and 
we get along when it comes to comics, so let's let's see what happens. And we read it. It was hilarious. I was like, oh, this is really funny. And Rocco, that was Rocco's first time directing something in college yeah. and my first time acting something in college. So it didn't get the, the reception we were hoping for. Uh, the teacher hated it. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what is this? You're barely moving the camera. There's no story depth. And I'm like, 20 minutes. Superman, 
But if you try really hard, you could be Batman. Who doesn't want to be Batman? <laughs> That's like the concept out of the movie. If you, if you really put the time and effort in, anyone could actually go out and talk him. It's like, are you crazy enough or lucky enough to be good at it? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some influences. Over the course of the year that that you or so that you've been working on this script and, and redesigning and redrafting and, and getting it to the point where you think that it's presentable for an audience to, to view and to to enjoy on their own. Uh, last year, like at the end of the year, you guys did that giveaway uh, of the 28 movies that, that were an influence to your film, and, and I was cool enough to win that. And let me tell you, I, some of those I hadn't seen before, like the Fast and the Furious movies, <clears throat> but uh, I, I watched every single one, and... And some of them I could see how they could fit in, like Spaceballs and the Goonies and, yeah. and even uh, Gladiator and stuff like that. But uh, like Fast and the Furious and, and things like that, how did those tie in to make it influential to the type of film that you're trying to create? Well, like we said uh, when we were talking about before, now we have the roles are reversed, right? So I'm directing and Rocco's uh, acting in it. And uh, some of the scenes um, that are, take place that have a crucial moments in the film do take place in the car, around the car, there's interactions going on. And you're trying to look at, like, okay, so how do we make these talking scenes more interesting? What, are, what do they do? Now, mind you, we're going to be an independent production, so we don't have the budget to go crazy. But we have a way to look and analyze with our cinematographer, Daniel Howard, to say, okay, how do we make these car shots more interesting based off what we could see in an action film mm-hmm. and kind of bring that to, to here comedically and make it work. So when we shot our test footage, we did what we could. And now that we've got, we've got more equipment coming and more things, it's really just looking at framing. And some, some of the movies were good for framing. Some were good for uh, story. Some were good for dialogue. Everything kind of just the pieces of everything. And because this movie, you know, when people are like, what kind of movie are you making? We're like, well, it's a dark superhero action comedy. And they're like, wait, what? And that's, the features, that's, and that's the best way to describe it right there, though. I mean, like with all the, the pieces and the tidbits and, and the little morsels that you guys have put out, I think I've watched everything you've done. Maybe not the extended trailer, but but I love it. Like like when when Rocco and your co-star are standing there in the porn shop, and and you're saying something to the lady that's standing there, and she just turns around and clocks you right in the face. Oh my God, that that dropped me. <laughs> Funny part is that looks pretty real. First day she got me, and you're like, that doesn't look real. I was like, ah, I'm like, okay, good, let's go to the <laughs> The first hit, the first hit really did hurt him, but we had to shoot it again and go go through it. It was it was hilarious, but <laughs> that's why you shoot more than one take. If you weren't so attractive, I'd be so really mad. Then you were found have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what was the realization? Uh, th- that uh, came to you guys, maybe collectively or individually, that that you knew that this was actually going forward. I mean, like like it wasn't just talk anymore. It wasn't just you two sitting down thinking about making a movie. It was like, okay, we're actually doing this. This is, this ball is actually going on. What? When was that? We had this conversation where you know you sit around as like a movie fan and you're kind of like you bitch and moan about like some of the movies that you think soccer. Why didn't they do this? And why didn't they do that? And why? And we can do better than that. We can do. And we, we're we're doing that for so long, where it was like, well, let's just do it. Let's let's just do it. And when we completed that first draft of the script, 
we were like celebrating. We were so happy, but only for about five minutes because those first five minutes we were like, we're done. Yes, we can do the movie in a few months. Maybe we, like eat all day. We were just like, yeah, this is our feast. We're eating. We're just like, we're kings. And then he's like, um, we're going to have to do another draft. And then he's looking at him like, yeah, but <laughs> so we knew we were like, well, we have the story now. If we take the time to refine it and really make it good, it's going to be great. And and the first reaction we got where it really propelled us forward was anybody who's part of the production currently. The only reason they're part of the production is because we invited them on to come over for a script reading, and we didn't ask them to to commit until they were done reading the story. So that way, that way we could win them over that way. I was like, you know. And the, especially like the cinematographer, he was a perfect example. I was like, I got something I want you to work on with me. I was like, well, I'm not going to ask you to do it because there'll be money involved or anything. I want you to come read the script. And it was every single person I'm talking from, people doing music to people acting to people holding lights, everybody got invited the same way. And as soon as we're done, the first reaction we got was like, oh, man, thank God that did suck. Yes, let's make this movie. I thought it was just all a big joke. No, you actually had something here. And and that even goes into it. I mean you guys have an original soundtrack for the film too. Yeah, yeah. I, I met a lot of talented people when I was working at Apple from the thing, from the two guys that make the music to the cinematographer to uh, one of the other actors and uh, our executive producer. Like, we got a handful of people from Apple, and they, everybody's really talented. And I kept telling them, like, while I was there, while me and Rocco were talking about the idea, like, I'm going to pull you guys in at some point, and we're going to make a movie together. And when they finally got a taste of the script, they were like, dude, we're in. We're, we're, what do we need to do, you know? And... It's, it's been awesome. When we shot the when we shot the porn footage, I mean not the porn footage. We remembered that. When we shot the test footage, we you know we we had to go beg for these locations. We had to go ask, but we were able to pitch it in a way where we're like, hey, can we shoot in your porn shop because it's really vital to our story. We have no money, but we have a good story. What's your story? A gold and, and we pitched it. <laughs> and not just going to be nakedness and jelly. It's actually going to be be full of story. <laughs> and the gentleman that helped us out was really great. He's like, dude, I think this would be great. And that's what we got over and over again. So now that we're going to go into full production and we really need to, we're on Indiegogo now voting, we're hoping that we get enough money to, you know, not have to beg for so many locations. Speaking of which, did you guys make Project of the Week? I know you were uh, in the running, and, and I know the votes were close. We were in second place. We got beat by, uh, I think, a little under 200 votes. But it was very, very close at one point. We were, I don't know, 30 at one point. Yeah, but you know what? I'm proud of what we were able to accomplish because they have thousands of followers, like on Twitter. They, they have, we're, we're in the hundreds. You know, they have like a team. And two guys, we kept up with them. And I, I think, you know, for the, if nothing else, we got about 800 plus people now aware of the project and aware of Indiegogo and aware of what we're trying to do. If there's anything that I've noticed, I mean, like, I, I keep up with you guys all the time. Rocco and I are friends on Facebook, and uh, I'm always seeing uh, new things that you're putting up about the film or, or about uh, how you're promoting and how you're pushing and things like that, and it's always something different. Uh, and, and with the, the Facebook page, the likes just increase, even though it may be small numbers at times or, or large leaps at yeah. other times. I mean, the... 
the news is getting out there, and and it's not just the New Jersey thing anymore. I mean, there's there's three people from my friends list alone that that are very interested in the project. You know, it's it's something that that a lot of people are becoming very supportive of, and that goes into the next thing I want to talk about, which is like the the passion for this. I mean, obviously, you have to be passionate about what you want to do, but why be passionate about this? What makes this more personal to you than, than say, doing So, I mean, we grew up with superheroes and comic books and Star Trek and Star Wars and, I mean, right now, if you could see the room that we're in, which, which <laughs> just doubles as uh, our office slash my bedroom when I can put an air racket in here. We, we are currently uh, tagging all of our collective comic books and movie memorabilia itself to put towards the budget. Uh, the movie. I call dibs. What, what is it that uh, Daryl had to say on Walking Dead claim? <laughs> <laughs> We have all this stuff. I mean, it's going to be hard for us to part with some of this stuff, I'm telling you. But we want to make a movie. And, I mean, superheroes are something that, I mean, we love all types of movies, but superheroes are something that's really ingrained in us. I mean, I got a freaking Wolverine tattoo on my right arm and a Batman and a Superman tattoo on my back. You know, this guy's wearing a Superman shirt right now, and he's got a curl on his forehead. Uh, and so we, we have such affinity for these stories, and... Um, we want to be able to tell our own. And it's just kind of ingrained into people that if you want to make a superhero movie, you need, like, millions of dollars. You need from DC or Marvel. I'm like, no, you can just, if you have a superhero costume and you have a story, you have a superhero movie if you have enough passion to do it. See, and that's the thing. Uh, indie films, and, and even fan films for that matter, kind of get overlooked a lot because they, they don't have the, the pop and, and snap of, of a major motion picture. But if there's one thing I've noticed, and, and Leo, you can you can even back me up on this, it's, it's the indie stuff that is garnering more attention and, and more grassroots buzz feed than, than the major stuff is. I mean, ha- half of the, the, the new comics titles that I'm reading are were recommended by Leo, you know, Dave and uh, Motorcycle Samurai and, and even this new one here, uh, Default Trigger. But... Uh, that stuff gets overlooked, and, and it's so disappointing to me because there's so much good stuff. Uh, Rocco, you and I uh, share a friend on Facebook, Chris Notarelli with Blinky Productions. Right. Uh, his stuff is amazing, uh, but but he gets overlooked all the time. It, yeah, it's pretty much down to race issues. Like if you're taking a superhero and uh, you know putting it in your own stamp on it, like you can make the best fan film, but it's just like oh, they kind of like overlook it. Like he has, he has a great Punisher series. Yes. Uh, oh, geez. Uh, Punisher 79 to 82. Yeah, but on the other hand, he has like a Deadpool series that was, it was, it was good, and he took it down, though. Because Marvel can yeah. that. He took it down. So it's fun to make like, a Batman web series. I hope you have fun putting it up, because it's going to be taken down pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, um, I know you did Kickstarter, and that didn't go through. That was a disappointment. I supported you there. I, I, I was really all about that, and I wish it would have gone uh, farther than it did, but you didn't stop. You, you didn't let that put you down. You guys went to Indiegogo, and tell me about that. Tell me about what's going on there. I know you got 35 days as of today, so when the podcast comes out on Wednesday, uh, you'll have 32 days from there, but tell me about the Indiegogo pledge drive. 
Well, we had a plan where we would, uh, we had four budgets, and in those four budgets, we had our ideal budget, and then less ideal, less ideal, less ideal, but where we could still get the film made, and Kickstarter was a way to test the waters and kind of bring an audience to the film, because at that point, nobody really knew anything, and that's what we did. We got a fan base, and, you know, we, we knew we weren't going to get to that mark, you know, halfway there, but people knew about the film, and they also knew that they weren't going to get any money taken out of their account. We were getting some crazy generous donations towards the end, but uh, if, if nothing else, just make people more aware of the film, and then what we did is, because we neared almost $7,000, we mm-hmm. picked up our budget, and said, okay, let's take our lowest budget, go on Indiegogo, and let's see if we can try to make this full now. Yeah, because your Kickstarter budget was, was a little high. Uh, it was 112 it was 112 yeah. that was our ideal, and that was with us shooting on red, um, people were getting, you know, paid. everybody was getting paid, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that weird Hollywood trope. <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole kind of thing behind it where it's like, all right, if we were a complete legit production, um, that's how we go. And now, with this, this time around, um, we're going to make the film with whatever we get. I mean, we have a decent amount of equipment, and we're just going to do what we did the first time, thanks for location, and try to get the film made or shot in about 30 to 35 days, and we'll spend about a month and a half to two months editing, and hopefully have the full film ready for festivals by August, end of August. And with Indiegogo, any money that's pledged, you will get. Unlike with Kickstarter, if you don't meet your goal, you don't get anything. Right, so then we got to promise, so if I'll take that money. I have no doubt you can do that. The, that goes without saying. But what websites do you have uh, to, to get people interested in the project? I know there's the Indiegogo site. Go ahead and give us the link to that, but you guys got Facebook and Twitter, and then there might be one or two others. Yeah, we have uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and it's all under 28 Minute Epic. Um, but uh, we, have, we also have our own website, 28 minuteepiccom where if you go there, you can learn about um, just the guys behind the movie, the synopsis. There's a uh, click-share option if you want to contribute to the film, and it takes you right to the Indiegogo page. Right. Um, and music, you know, some of the music, the, the test footage trailer is on there as well. So we're trying to expose ourselves as much as we can with the, the little resources that we do have. Nice. Nice. Leo, you got anything you want to add? Uh, are you, how are you approaching the Indiegogo differently than the Kickstarter, or are you, other than just the budget? You know what's crazy? Um, towards the end of our Kickstarter, Kickstarter got hacked. Yeah. And it, it, sent, it sent everybody a message saying, you you know, we've been hacked, change your passwords, something could happen to your money. So that kind of affected us in a way where a lot of people that we asked to come around were like, yeah, the last time, you know, that kind of company that we never heard about got hacked. It was just that one time, like, that never happens. And it's like, <laughs> I'm almost glad that it was over by the time it happened because that would have been way worse. But, yeah, now people are like, I don't know. What we've learned is that um, it's a lot easier to talk, talk to people in a personal kind of environment. So we're going to be at, like, bars and restaurants kind of promoting with t-shirts and stuff. Because if people, if people talk to us, if they, you know, we can sit there and talk to them about what the topic's about, they're really inclined after we're done talking and pitching the movie to be like, oh, this stuff's kind of cool. All right, I'll give you 28 bucks. Because for 28 bucks, they're getting the download of the movie, the download of the script, the download of the outline that, that we use to make the script, the original soundtrack, and their name in the credits. So it's like a full digital experience. 
Right, for 28 bucks, and, and we try to keep the team going with the 28, uh, you know, 28 being our, our, our prime number. And we're, we're hoping that by more personal experiences, we're able to at least hit half our mark. And, you know, with whatever we make, we're making this movie no matter what. So we're just, we're not just doing just the computer this time. Last time we were really dependent on our Facebook and our social fan base. And this time we know we got to go out there and really just be face to face with a lot more people. Yeah, you got to get that street team, and especially in New Jersey. I mean, yeah. word of mouth can spread very quickly there. I, I know here in Knoxville, uh, that 28 minute epic is is a big topic of conversation with me and my friends when we do our card games on Thursdays and things like that. And they know that I do the podcast and and do work for Stash My Comics and stuff. And they're always asking me, what new things are you are you looking at right now, Tim? What's the the, the new indie type stuff that we could check out. I'm like, well, you need to check out this. You have to go to this YouTube page. You have to look at 28 Minute Epic. I think it's a great idea. I, I love the concept of it. I love the idea behind it. I, I love the passion that you guys have for this film. I love that uh, that you've been courteous enough to, to let me help promote it and all that. And, and I cannot wait to see the end result of this. I, I, I think I, I can honestly say I'm as excited as you guys are about this. We appreciate that. I mean, we, we, uh, you know, things, just people talking positively about it kind of keeps us motivated because we spent, I mean, me and this guy spend more time together than him and his fiance did. So <laughs> we're constantly, you know, trying to figure out new ways to do things. And it gets, you know, it gets to the point sometimes where it gets tiring because they're like, man, we have so much work to do. And, and we have a we have a good team, but the rest of our team has full time jobs, and we we can't expect you know them to do so much for you know they're, they're providing for their families or they're doing other things. So they do what they can when they can, and we appreciate that. And some of them go above and beyond, you know. And all we can do is kind of continue spearheading this and hoping that we can accomplish this goal in the end, and I'm very confident we can. I mean, um, I was really happy with the end result of the test footage that we got and that we shot and the reaction we got. I mean, I think I've only heard or only read one negative comment, and I was on YouTube that somebody was uh, hating on my editing. <laughs> but then he obviously has no idea what in the hell we're talking about. You know, but I'm really positive. I mean, I would rather, like... I would rather hear some negative comments than just like, you know, people like, all right, well, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, if that's the only negative press you get from from the start of everything to current, that's that's good. <laughs> and we got supporters everywhere. I mean, even all of my former ex-girlfriends have donated. I think it's a good thing. That's good. Man. <laughs> you, you did not burn those bridges totally then. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> they just taught me, they're like, I'll give that guy money. <laughs> Sorry, John, but Rocco will help it. <laughs> <laughs> See, and, and the thing I like though is that uh, it 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 doesn't feel like a a typical run of the mill attempt at an independent film. It, it it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like something that somebody's putting together with little to no experience and hoping. Uh, for for big break, it's <clears throat> the the big feeling that I get from this is that uh, it's it's not just you guys anymore. It's it's twenty eight minute epic is its own thing. It's its own monster, and it's and it's moving of its own accord. You guys are helping to feed it, but it's going and and it's a it's a project that you're super passionate about. That that you have a lot of care and effort put into it, and and you're going to see it finished 
come hell or high water. And that, that I think, is, is the best aspect about it, is when this movie comes out and, and when people get to watch it and see it and enjoy it, they're, they're going to see the passion and they're going to see the effort that was put into this film. It's gonna, they're going to see some escalations for sure. We have, we've got some surprises in store for everybody. We have a lot of stuff that has footage that we didn't show just because we wanted to keep kind of the mystery surrounded by some of the stuff that goes on. Um, we've shown little clips here and there. Like, if you watch some of the interview footage that we have and stuff like that, there's just little, little clips that kind of, like, cigarette burns. Like, uh, and if, you, if you've watched Fight Club, they just pop in and out here and there. So we have these little snippets of crazy things that go on. and I hope it's not as crazy as the snippets that were put in, in film and fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no, that was like a bad example because we can't live up to it. <laughs> no. You should have worked out on examples, but yeah. That's the cigarette burning every frame. Like, I'm not watching this movie. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> the, the porn aspect of the movie really lives up to expectations, guys. <laughs> well, the cool thing, I mean, I guess the best thing about all this is that we've, everybody, we've even talked about it before because we've gone through the story and it's like, well, what if we end up getting into the festivals we want? You know, are we worried about like an NC-17 rating versus an R rating, thing like, things like that? So we have these like alternate lines or alternate takes that we're thinking of shooting, but a lot of that stuff is really dependent on time. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, does does the movie showcase nudity, or I mean, is it just excessive violence that you're concerned about with a rating that you may or may not get? Um, I think it's more profanity. It's, it's just a lot of profanity. I mean, and there's a lot of implied, um, you know, in, you know, sexual conduct, yeah. innuendo. Right, and I wouldn't even say a lot. I would just say that the stuff that that is implied is so in your face where. It, you're going to be like, whoa, did they just tell that? Or was I, did I think I, did I think I see it? Did I think I saw what I saw? Because there's things that we've been talking about with my DP of the shooting stuff where it's almost convincing the audience that they saw what they saw, but they didn't, it was just implied. Um, you know, and like with these guys that I'm working with, everybody really knows their stuff, you know, so it, that's the best part. We have limited resources, but everybody knows what they're doing. Like I've been, since I've graduated, since he's graduated, you know, we've been editing and doing music videos and doing commercials and short films, and, and everybody's really experienced. And even the, the newer guys that are coming on and helping, they're, they're all about just the knowledge, you know, and, and we all have to wear multiple hats on production, um, and we all have to do different things. My 10-year-old little brother was doing sound for us when we were doing that. <laughs> and we... He got in a local paper here in school, and they plastered his his uh, picture up in the wall in school. It's like ten year old Brian Alvarado is on uh, work helping his big brother make a movie where they shoot in the porch out, and they're like, "Wait, what?" And, 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 but but it's the truth. I was like, "Hey, buddy, you think you could do this?" And he's like, "What do I need to do?" I'm like, "You need to press record and hold this thing right there." And he's like, "I I think I can do it." And I'm like, "All right, now let's go." And, and that's how we've been able to kind of get this stuff done. And if he stands with a stone guy, we're not put candy bars in the budget. <laughs> if that's all it takes to pay him, then, then I hope you can fit it in there. Hold the boom. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm going to tell my wife after the show's over that I'm going to pack all my things and move to New Jersey to help you guys finish this film. <laughs> I don't think she'll like it too much, but I'm a man, and, and I can tell her what I want to do. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know me better than that, Leo. <laughs> Just edit this out out of the segment. Yeah, well, if she, if if anything, she can hear me. I'm in the garage, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
John, Rocco, I want to thank you guys very much for coming on the show and talking about 28-Minute Epic and just the whole story behind it and, and the passion and everything that you guys have put into this. No doubt blood, sweat, and tears. Um, give us some websites real quick. Uh, let everybody know where they can go, not only to pledge at Indiegogo, but uh, places where they can go and maybe talk to you or ask questions or just interact with you guys. You guys, uh, you can reach us on Facebook uh, at 28MinuteEpic.com, or if you go to Indiegogo.com and you want to be a part of helping us make this film and do something epic, you can go to Indiegogo.com and just look up 28 Minute Epic. And the easiest way to reach us would be through the website, 28MinuteEpic.com. There's a contact tab right there, and, you know, we're accessible 24 hours a day. We're, we consider ourselves the epitome of indie film, and we do not sleep. So we're always, we're always available. Nice, nice. Leo, you got anything else you want to add? I think that's about it. Right on. Gentlemen, once again, thank you very much for being on the show. We'll have you back on again. Rocco, keep me in, keep in touch and let me know what's going on with everything, and I will let everybody know here. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, yeah. no problem, guys. Yeah, no guys. problem. Great talking to you. Great talking to you, too. All right. Uh, hang tight with us. You can You can send us off. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> make sure to hit us up on stashmycomics.com to see all the latest news for independent comic books and mainstream comic books. we got two featured titles going on right now. Where'd you get that? Uh, Purgatory Pub Book 1 and a new Back Issue Been to the Future uh, review for Sea Bear and Grizzly Shark Number 1. Also last week's SMC podcast episode is on there. The review for Tall Tales from the Badlands Number 3, another All in the Trades. Uh, review for Half Past Danger and on and on. Don't forget to hit us up on Facebook.com forward slash Stash My Comics. That's updated daily. Also, you can hit us up on Twitter.com forward slash Stash My Comics. Once again, updated daily. Hit our forum section. Talk to the people that are in there. Great community. Bunch of people that want to talk to you and get to know you and talk about comic books. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. We will see you next week.